Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married for 21 years and have seen the fruit from raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from their faith by age 18. And it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in the following world. Hey everyone, welcome back to Courageous Parenting Podcast. If it's your first time, welcome. And I just want to let you know that we are talking a lot about uncertain times lately, but we also have lots of episodes about all kinds of things, right, Ange? Oh, that's true. I mean, we were just talking about, what are we going to talk about right now? There's so many things going on in the world, but also we're about to embark upon Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas. Um, we also didn't really promote a ton of our podcasts on should Christians celebrate Halloween. We had a ton of resources that were available. There's just so much going on in life. And so we had talked about all the different ways we could go. So we just really want to encourage you guys to check out season one of the podcast because we have a lot of resources for people regarding parenting during the holidays. And also like why kids won't obey you. Uh, Just really critical, important stuff. So if you're wondering, hey, how do I handle when kids are disobedient or how do I handle raising up toddlers or kids ages six to 12 mm-hmm. or these kinds mm-hmm. of things, you can look back and find those things. But right now we are in times um, that are increasingly uncertain, mm-hmm. but that doesn't take any of our joy away, any of our hope away because we're Christians. That's right. And so we feel charged um, with this, this specific challenge. Um, we, you guys might not know this, but Isaac and I pray before we do the podcast. And today he prayed something that was just really hit me. We, Lord, we want to encourage families to be courageous while still being loving. And that that's a fine balance. And that just hit me. Like I wanted to share that with you guys because that is God's heart. We know that, that he wants us to be courageous. His word says so in Deuteronomy and Joshua, and also not to have a spirit of timidity or fear, right? In first Timothy. And so we know that that's something that God calls his people to, but he also calls us to be loving, to be selfless, to be sacrificing, right? And so especially with the issues we're going to be talking about, we're going to talk about some crazy issues today. So the topic is eight current issues that could hurt your, who your kids become. This is a big deal. This is part one of a two-part series. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's eight points here, and we're so excited to give you the first three of them because the first three are a little heavy mm-hmm. right and they're That's big true. they're yeah. big so we're going to dive into that in a second first we have a couple of things uh that we want to remind you of is that you're part of the one million legacy mission what's that about Anne? well if you think about it um a mission is something that you are striving to do together right yeah. And the reason why we wanted to remind you guys that you're part of this mission, because we're all a part of the body of Christ. We've all been given different gifts and we're all called to the great commission, which is a mission by Jesus. Um, Isaac and I have had different seasons in our life that were more focused on evangelism. And the season that we have been in as of the last couple of years, though we still do try to witness to people, right. And love those who don't know the Lord. Um, 
we have felt a strong calling to equip the saints. And that is really what Courageous Parenting is about. Now, of course, we do have listeners who are not believers who have really gleaned a lot from the podcast and from the parenting program. Um, Praise God for that. But Mm -hmm. I pray more than anything that that is a witness to them. So we just wanted to remind you guys that as part of the body of Christ, you're part of this mission too. And so when you leave a review, when you do five-star tap-tap on iTunes, when you share on social media... It is a huge, huge help to us because you are the hands and feet also um, in this body and this mission. It helps the algorithms for more people to see and expand the mission. It also helps us continue because, frankly, it's encouraging. We read every single one. We cling to some of those messages. (laughs) I share them with Angie because she doesn't always get to them, but I make sure I share them with her and she just... He always shares them with me when I'm like discouraged or just kind of like, oh, do we have to... So your words directly uh, spur us on. Mm -hmm. And it's so important because we get other words. More recently, in the last six months, we also get negative words towards us. And it's not that, you know, that's normal. But some of them are like death threats and crazy, weird, demonic things that have been coming at us, which is sad. And, uh, and so, so be we need praying your for prayers. Us. Yeah. yeah. Be praying for us, but we are committed to continuing on in doing this. Um, and by the way, if you've been through the parenting program, if you could share about that, that'd be amazing. Um, we created that a year and a half ago and it is even more relevant today than it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. God gave us, uh, wisdom in what to create ahead of time for what parents need. Today, So mm-hmm. CourageousParenting.com has all the free resources, also the, the resources like the parenting program, homeschooling, blueprint, and mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. You can also go to CourageousMom.com for tons of resources in the postpartum course and yeah. book, Redeem Childbirth, and so forth. So all True. of that stuff helps the ministry. And great news, our fundraising efforts already surpassed 40% of the need. So that's great. Let's uh, dive into this here. So we've talked a lot about point one, but we're going to talk about it a little bit differently. And you're going to get a lot of value out of it. Mm-hmm. So you guys, we have a couple questions for you. And I think the first question is actually about questions. Do you ask yourself the important hard questions? Because it is important to do that. Yeah. Um, this is going to require introspection, taking rose tinted glasses off, looking at yourself and how you're reacting to issues, whether that be your emotional response, your opinion, and how you are physically reacting to some of the issues that are going on today, whether that be how your state or county is um, handling COVID or how you are reacting to censorship or the way that this election is going. Um, We all have a responsibility and how we react. And so we're going to we want to ask you, do you ask yourself the hard questions? And one of the hardest questions is, is my child seeing me react in a God-glorifying way? To the uncertain times, to the situations Angie mentioned or others, which is God-glorifying or what's the opposite of that? Frankly, the opposite of that is responding in fear. Right. The dread kind of fear. Mm-hmm. Fear of something happening to me. Mm-hmm. Fear of... Um, the world we're living and it's a lack. It's the complete uh, opposite, opposite of hope. 
And it's the opposite of what God's word calls us to, which is to fear him only. And I think that this is an important conversation. We're going to be talking about the first point we're going to be talking about is actually fear, right? We'll, we'll dive into and, and masks. We'll be talking about masks in this part as well. Um, and how, you know, I just, I have to ask another hard question. And this is something that I, um, actually was first, I guess this is an introspective question that I was first struggling with, exposed to in my own personal devotions many years ago when I was pregnant with our first child when I was so sick and I had hypermesis gravidarum and I was vomiting 14 times a day, getting IVs for six hours. It was a very hard time for me. Mm. Um, I I felt isolated. Mm -hmm. We were newlyweds. We didn't know anyone in the area, just moved back from school. And I was working seven days a week, which I would not recommend. No, but we nor were is young. it biblical? <laughs> yeah, um, and we we were young. Yeah, there was a spiritual immaturity that was there, and not knowing, you yeah. know, to to um, practice the Sabbath and what that meant, yeah. um, which we quickly learned within our first year. Yeah. But you are a hard entrepreneur at the time, and I was very isolated. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because today a lot of people are feeling very isolated. Yeah, and when you are isolated, it's easier to fear things because you don't have like-mindedness of people encouraging you and spurring you on to remember what's true, what's good, to keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus, um, and to be asking yourself the hard questions, which actually focus more on eternity than they do on today and the present time. And so, um, I, I, I just want to, I want to challenge you with this question. Why Am I struggling with fear over losing my life? Is it because I've made an idol out of my life? Is it because maybe I don't have eternal security? This is a really big, hard, deep question that we all need to ask ourselves, but we also need to have grace for other people who are acting out of fear, understanding that maybe they don't have that eternal security. So just think about today, what's going on and think about, let's say your kids are three or six or 10 or 15, uh, 10 years from now on any of those ages, they will mm-hmm. be 13, 18, 25. You know, do you want them to respond in fear when things are probably even worse 10 years from now mm-hmm. or more challenging or more uncertain 10 years from now from mm-hmm. a worldly perspective? So, uh, or do you want them to have, to have experienced how well you've handled things? Um, Where so you've that been transparent in teaching so them. They're, so they're yeah. trained. And so as we thought about the things happening right now and how people are responding or not, we go, okay, here's eight things and that we need to respond mm-hmm. well to. So it catalyzes how our kids respond 10 and 20 years from now. Amen. And I think that this comes down to our other really big question that we, there's some overarching questions, right? The first one was, are you asking yourselves a hard question? And I want, you know, one of the things we, Isaac and I agreed that we wanted to challenge you guys on throughout this episode and the next one is to ask these same two hard questions on every single issue that we go over, right? And so ask yourself the hard questions, but then also Think ahead about the result or consequences that your kids will experience based upon how you handle this issue, which is what you were saying. It's just another way of saying it. So you have to ask yourself, you have to kind of think ahead. You have to go, okay, wait a second. So if I'm fearful and we decide to 
always wear masks everywhere, like even the two-year-old, which isn't mandated. How is that going to actually impact my kids when they're 10 on a social level? How's that going to impact them on a spiritual level? How's that going to impact them on a fear level? Are they always going to be walking in fear now of getting some kind of disease? Are they, you know, like what we do, how we handle this is going to have massive impact on our kids and how they view the issues that come up in their lifetime. Remember when kids are young, um, they, the, the messages and experiences are really powerful and they really have long-term impacts. And so if consistently your kids wear masks, mm -hmm. now you might go, well, this is just temporary. Well, weren't we kind of told that eight, nine months ago that yeah. this is going to be temporary? Um, maybe I hope so. But just realize, what are the repercussions? We've just been talking about this. What are the repercussions on kids when they consistently wear masks? And more importantly, everyone around them has a mask on. Right. And there are a few different categories here where we could talk about what are the consequences, ramifications, results of yeah. them wearing a mask, right? One would be the health side, like the physical. What are, what are they going to experience physically? Then there's the element of socially. Right. Yeah. I wonder, we're not health experts from a doctor or nurse perspective, although mm -hmm. you super study natural yeah. home remedies and so forth mm -hmm. and all that okay. stuff. But it's, what is that doing to the development of their lungs? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you guys just, some of us all, I, I'm sure that everyone knows at least one person that literally they do have a medical exemption or they should from wearing a mask for many different reasons. We, I mean, you guys, we have a family of 10. Like for me, I'm pregnant. You guys know this. I am nauseated all day long. I am on the verge of potentially vomiting. D different things will trigger it, right? I can be in the grocery store, walk past the coffee aisle, and I can lose it, yeah. literally. And so for me, wearing a mask actually makes it worse for me. But just breathing in that carbon dioxide, I get lightheaded, I get dizzy. It can't be good for me. It can't be good for the baby, yeah. actually. And so um, that's one of the convictions why I don't wear them. Just one. There are many. Um, we have a son that gets massive headaches, right? And so when, like in the past, when we did the whole quarantine time way back in March, we realized right away he can't wear them mm -hmm. like at all. And so you guys though, this is the thing. Think about kids, young kids. Are they even aware of what's going on in their body? No. A lot of times little children are actually not aware of the difference of how they actually physically feel and they don't know how to describe that to you. It's like the child who's been dairy intolerant their whole life. Mm -hmm. They have gut issues and they're just in pain, but they learn to live with it thinking it's their normal when it's really not good for them and they need to be off dairy. Yeah. Does a child know that? No. It's yeah. the same kind of thing regarding the physical aspect of wearing so a mask. So educate yourself. You can Google it, it is wearing a mask healthy for kids and you can find probably pro stuff and you can find negative stuff on it. You mm -hmm. just have to discern what you believe on that. Uh, common sense tells us it is not good and you might be going and we don't, we can love each other and have and a different disagree. opinion mm -hmm. on masks. Okay. And there's many other points that you'll love here, but after this, but we have come to our own conclusion that masks are not effective um, from what we've read 
and so forth. Mm -hmm. And therefore there's other problems too. So you talked about the health of the kids. Mm -hmm. What about the the social the social health? aspect? <laughs> yes. We've been actually starting to wonder and mm -hmm. think about a little critical thinking. Mm -hmm. This could likely create social awareness problems. Okay, so what we mean is socially awkward. And the reason why this is, is because the psychology studies of body language yep. and being able to learn how to communicate with other people based upon how they're receiving what you're saying and how you're saying it, your tone of voice. You look at someone in the eyes, but you also look at their face. You look at their facial expressions. Mm -hmm. You you tend to get cues based upon this communication process of how someone one's body language, including their smile or their frown or their teeth clenching or whatever it is, right? Like you can see this. Now, when someone is wearing a mask, all of that is hidden. And if kids are only around other people when they're wearing masks, how are they ever learning those positive cues that teach them how to actually socially interact in a, in a giving kind of way, in a loving kind of way that is sensitive to how the other person is feeling. If you can't see any emotion on their face, unless they're literally crying. Right. Yeah. And so this is a really big deal for me. This is one of the first things that for me became a huge red flag with flat with masks was stranger danger. And this is something I've never heard anybody talk about. Mm -hmm. This is a really big deal as a mom that teaches my kids my little kids, especially stranger danger, it's just simple stuff like, hey, if somebody comes to the door and I'm not home, don't answer the door, that yeah. kind of stuff, right? But also, how do we, what is the instincts that every human has regarding being able to tell if someone is a safe person or not? Mm -hmm. You judge, you have to judge, you have to discern, right? And so a lot of times people will actually naturally, without being taught, look at someone's face mm -hmm. and they'll see, oh, are they a nice person or not a nice person based upon if they're smiling or not? Yeah. We can't see that. Kids can't see if someone is a safe person or not safe person when everyone's wearing a mask. And up until this point, who were the people that wore masks before? Other than doctors, it was burglars and mm -hmm. robbers. So now to a little four-year-old, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we have a little boy, Solomon, right? Who's watched some of the really old Lone Rangers where the burglars come in and they've got the mask on. Yeah. And so for him, at first he actually said to me, oh, really? mom, are all these robbers when we went to the grocery store? Oh, and funny. I was like, no, people have to wear them. Anyway, and so I'm, I'm bringing this up because this is an issue. And no one is talking about it. How is this going to impact your children? Are they just going to trust everybody or just not trust anybody? And I think the social awareness and the social awkwardness and the lack of confidence, oftentimes, I don't know if you've experienced this, but uh, your eye contact wanes with other people even more, like meaning it's it true. shifts away from people when you have a mask on and they have a mask on or they have a mask on. And um where I've purposely tried to maintain really strong eye contact and smile with the eyes and mm -hmm. all these things. Well, I don't wear a mask, but, um, you know, in, tr in these kinds of things, but just to really connect with people, um, mm -hmm. the best I can, but it takes effort and imagine your kids on that and how that's going to go into the future. Now I do want to say that COVID is real. We are not, not believing in COVID. It's real. We had it and we're a in healthy March. family. And so yep. you can't even relate our 
experience to people who are immune compromised or mm-hmm. lost loved ones and, and tragic things that have happened. It's real, it's challenging and so forth, but we can't let the, the, uh, we can't create worse things than the actual virus to happen to people at a broad level across the United States and across the world. Like imagine if all four-year-olds were socially awkward and not able to make eye contact with people or were shamed because they weren't wearing a mask that covers their face. Now there's lots of other issues like closing down businesses, which this episode isn't about, which we're super opposed to. And these kinds of things, which we will talk a little bit about in episode two, because it causes so much uh, problems uh, economically in lifestyle and marriages falling apart and parenting problems and provision problems. And now this ma- the mask thing is not the end of this topic of fear. There's also other aspects to living in fear. Why someone would potent what, what other things would they potentially do if they had fear over COVID and different things like this? Um, they would not practice hospitality anymore, potentially no more play dates. And so then their kids are not actually getting together and socializing with other children Right, which also adds to the social awkwardness and future isolationism. Mm-hmm. So there could be a culture. Remember that the behaviors of today create a future culture. Mm-hmm. So the future culture of their families in a society and generation could be of more isolationism. And so I just have to urge you guys, like God's word commands us not to make decisions out of fear. Yes, we want to be realists, yeah. but do we avoid everyone and become isolationists because of the potential of being exposed to a virus? Um, the reality is that we as believers should not be making any of our decisions out of fear. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring up something, you know, a lot of times these people are called anti-vaxxers. I personally do not like that title. Um, I prefer pro-medical freedom. Okay. And one of the things that I have seen among this group of people is that they aren't as fearful of COVID in this sense not all of them, but a lot of them. And I think that part of it is that they've lived for a long time. Um, in a sense, they've been living, realizing that polio, measles, um, tetanus, all these different diseases are still in existence today. Maybe not rampant in the same kind of way, right? But the flu, like we've never gotten the flu shot. Do we get the flu? Yeah, we've gotten the flu in the past, yeah. and then we get over it. Um, and some of the some of the viruses that are out there are harder. We had H one N one thirteen years ago that was extremely hard on one of our kids. Yeah. Um, and so we've experienced those things. But you guys, this is the thing: if you believe that God has ordained the number of days of your life, and that you're not going to go a day before or a day after you're called to go home, you walk in that kind of trust of the sovereignty of God and understanding that he is the one that's in control, no matter what, you know what I mean? And so, but at the same time, you also are doing all that you can because God's word also gives us responsibility and we have to be wise. We have to take care of ourselves. if, If somebody gets sick, COVID or anything else, we shouldn't be going anywhere. We should quarantine. Oh, because we love other people and because we're taking care of ourselves. We quarantined for six weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, we had it for that long, yeah. you know? And so the reality is, be wise. 
not your own eyes. You take in the reality, the information that you're getting. And, and I know today it's hard to know what's real, yeah. right? Um, so you do your best to discern what's real and you make decisions using the real information that you think you have, right? Yeah. You do what's best for your family, do what's best for other people. But you also need to understand that at the end of the day, if you've done everything God's called you to do in taking care of your bodies, you're trying to live healthy, you're getting rest, you're treating things, then you pray and you give it to God and you don't live in fear. Amen. And a lot of you are asking, okay, easier said than done. You don't live where I live. You know, there's lockdowns, there's mask mm -hmm. mandates, there's all kinds of things. And we get it. You got to go grocery shopping. And in some places, you literally will not be able to go to a single grocery store unless you wear a mask. That's sad. You can still practice hospitality. You can still practice, practice hospitality. Do what you can. I have been, uh, even though well, when we were in Oregon, we got kicked out of a lot of places. Um, and now I'd be kicked out of probably every place in Oregon. Uh, they oh, just yeah. went on serious lockdown. Uh, and Kate Brown is threatening jail for a month. Um, wow. Serious this time. It sounds like who knows if it really is serious, but, um, and then, uh, we moved to Idaho and yeah, I mean, out of anywhere in the country, it's probably the most free, but some of the nationwide companies, mm -hmm. sometimes I get kicked out. There was a day I got kicked out of target. Our whole family got kicked out of red Robin. Yeah. I'm never going to yeah. go to red Robin again, <laughs> uh, ever because, uh, they were going to force every single one of us to wear a mask. There's just to the table. Just to the table. As if, oh, oh, but that's because COVID knows to stop spreading when you're eating. Yeah. But so yeah, anyway. can't do it. I can't do it. it. And it's more of a principle now that I, I just, I just won't do it. And you know, if eventually I'm just not going anywhere, I guess that I'll just, we'll go do things not in stores. I want to take a moment and give you something for free, if you haven't got it already, is the Date Night One Sheet. It is a beautiful document you can download that will have some key questions on it for your date night to just get in alignment about what's most important for your family. No matter what time of year, it's always important to recalibrate. You can get that by going to CourageousParenting.com and subscribing to our mailing list. Um, also, you can get all of our show notes and everything at CourageousParenting.com. And I also just want to share real quick about the Parenting Mentor Program. So many families are being transformed by going through this. Uh, it's the six-week self-paced program uh, with live engagement from us and even direct interaction. So if you want to join us, uh, here's a little bit more about it. You can find out more at CourageousParenting.com. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations, or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's, let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor 
and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. The reality is, you guys, what we're talking about is how is fear impacting your life and then how are those impacts on your life impacting the way your kids are going to operate in the world in five years, tomorrow, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Um, because the reality is the Bible actually predicts that there will be epidemics and it is actually plural. It's not singular. So we've had a, a most recent pandemic epidemic, right? Yeah. Um, there have been many in the past and there will be more in the future. Yeah. And so we need to be aware of how we are walking and, and to represent the freedom Jesus Christ died for. And, and what I mean by that is Yes, we should have the right to choose if we're going to wear a mask or not, right? That there is a freedom that comes with that and mm. potentially that being taken away, that freedom, right? Mm. Um, but there's also the element of walking in, in a way where you have joy and you're not full of fear, that that represents a freedom in Christ. And mm. that's one of the greatest things that can impact your kids. If you are the person that is high anxiety, high stress on the way to the grocery store, trying to make sure that your kids' masks are on properly because you're walking in fear and you have anxiety that they're going to get sick and you're overly sanitizing, all these things. I'm not saying sanitizer is bad. I'm just saying overly. What is that going to do to your child? Yeah. Psychologically and for them in the future and how they treat their kids. Other human beings are dangerous. All of them. That's kind of what you're teaching. Yeah. Your I kids. mean, yeah. Or, or if you see someone walk by not wearing a mask and you're judgy yeah. in front of your kid and you're like, I can't believe that they, mm, mm, mm. Oh, that what is that me. teaching your kid? What is that teaching your kids? Yeah. And so I, there is a, that it teaches them division. It teaches them gossip. It teaches them a judgmentalism that is not biblical. Um, cause let's just face it. You know, what? I'm going to bring up another topic regarding this COVID thing that nobody's talking about, which is immunity. The reality is for us, we got COVID in March. And then you guys, we went on a six-week RV trip June and July. We visited eight states. For two and a half of those weeks, we were in Texas. Mm -hmm. When Texas had the highest rates of COVID in the country. We went to if a water we were park. going to get it, yeah. 10 people, two of which at the time were four and two years old. I mean, we're talking germ magnets. If we were going to get it again, we would have got it again. Yeah. But then we went home for three weeks and then we went to Idaho for two more. Okay. We were all over and we did not get sick again. Praise the Lord. Yeah. But is anybody like assuming the best of other people? Like our personal belief is that, you know what? We had it. We can't get it again and we can't give it. So are we going to wear a mask? No. But do other people assume virtue in one another when they see someone not wearing a mask? No, they don't. Yeah. They think the worst thing of people. Yeah. So division is large, unfortunately. And that's but, impacting kids. Yeah. Secondly, church. Let's talk about church. Okay. These are some of the biggest questions we're getting lately too. Uh, churches are getting uh, closed uh, all over the country, all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, right now we've just, cause we just moved from Oregon. They're saying that it has to be 25 people limit uh, for a church right now, indoors, 50 outdoors in Oregon. In Oregon. Yeah. Uh, other places are more extreme, less extreme. Um, it was beautiful. We visited a church on Sunday that had probably a thousand people at it. I don't know. And, and it was big. 
yeah, maybe 500 at least thousand. Yeah. Anyways, it was just so freeing, so great uh, to be there worshiping. Mm -hmm. Worship was awesome. It was so fun. And I just think it's so important to be human to human. Do you guys know, even if you don't say a single word to anybody, which I hope that's never the case, but your hearts communicate with hearts. There's actual studies where when you're near someone else's heart, they there's there's connection that happens. There's mm-hmm. something that happens there. That's why hugs are so powerful because the mm-hmm. hearts actually get close to each other. That's why it's so important that moms get together too because a lot of times, I mean, before COVID, before all this stuff was happening, one of the biggest topics that women stay-at-home moms, especially of young kids, would talk about is that they felt isolated and they struggled with depression, yeah. actually. Um, and the biggest cure for that is hospitality, opening up your life. Um, but also just getting together with another like-minded person is a huge positive impact. Mm-hmm. And that's because of actual physical interaction, right? Yeah. And being in proximity to one another. It is so important that we get together. Fellowship is critically important. Hebrews 10, 24 is a very, very important verse. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Well, how do you stir up love and good works in each other if we don't see each other? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can do it kind of. And then to continue, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So as we see the day approaching, as mm-hmm. we ex- accelerate in end times, because mm-hmm. the day, what's the day when Christ comes back? As that accelerates, we need to be meeting with each other. It's even more important to meet with each other. Mm-hmm. And we need to be there. And it says we need to stir up good works mm-hmm. in each other. How is that happening? Isn't it encouraged when someone else stirs up good works in you? Aren't we supposed to use our spiritual gifts? How are we going to use our spiritual gifts if we're not if actually... we're just streaming it? Right. Well, and this is this is a really big deal. This concept of when you are part of the body of Christ that you've been given specific gifts that are supposed to be used for the edification of all, not the edification of you, yeah. right? For the edification of the whole. But you're not actually getting together with the body. So you're not exercising your gifts. And we all know what the parable of the talents talks about, which is a warning for those who have been given talents and gifts and they don't use them. We know what God does. And so you guys, this is a really crucial element. We need, we can't stir one another up. Like Isaac was saying, at least Um, a depression. If we're not using our gifts, we're not connecting with people. We're not communicating. mm -mm. It's very, we're, we were made social beings to be social with one another. So, so then, we're isolated. So what are the repercussions then? So we're trying to protect each other mm-hmm. by not meeting from a virus that, you know, okay, you can think whatever you want about the virus, but the repercussions are far greater. Think about this. Okay. Of not meeting. So what does the Bible say to do? It says to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So this has been one of the verses that people use all the time for wearing masks and for quarantining. Right. Oh, I'm loving them by not potentially exposing them. But the reality is, is that God made us social beings. And when people are isolated, they become depressed. Did you know suicide rates are climbing like never before? Is that really loving to not connect with your neighbor? I'm sorry. That's not actually what's loving. If you're sick, don't go. Right. But you should be reaching out. You should be having human connection because that's actually what is loving. Far more kids have died of suicide during this period of time than have been hurt by COVID. 
Okay, so let's, this is a big issue, this isolation thing. You guys have to realize that this is a scheme, a tactic of the devil is isolation. Yeah. He wants people to be in bondage, isolated, so that other people cannot help. The Bible says that we're to carry one another's burdens. How do you know if I'm burdened and what burden to carry if we never see each other Mm -hmm. and we never talk? Yeah. Right? How can we obey that passage of scripture? The reality is, is if you're getting together and even in small communities, you guys, if you're getting together in house churches, you're getting together couples to couples, and then someone doesn't show up, you know something's wrong. You can reach out to them and go, hey, brother, sister, what's going on? How can I help? Mm-hmm. Right? And then, oh, they're sick. Wow, let's take them meals. Let's help carry the burden. But when there is a bigger community, but nobody's getting together, nobody knows what nobody needs. And then guess what? The only way people know if there's a need is put on the needy person's plate to mm-hmm. actually be transparent, vulnerable, and reach out and ask. Which is hard. Which is really hard to do. Especially That's when you're isolated. That's why we need to be meeting together, <laughs> you guys. So this is a huge, like literally people are not obeying God's word to carry one another's burdens because they're not meeting. That's a big deal. They're also not obeying God's word and exercising their spiritual gifts for the edification of the whole. That's a big deal. Isolation also prevents spiritual growth. Yeah. Prevents spiritual growth because how do you grow? There are lots of ways that you can grow, right? But one way is accountability. When you offend someone and someone points it out, well, you're not going to offend anybody if you're never around anybody. And then you're never going to be held accountable and be challenged to actually repent, confess, change, and grow. So look at the enemy. Point one, he's going to make them socially awkward, uh, isolate them. Two, and, and create a pattern of that for kids And make them future. judgmental so they make never want to be around other people. And point two, make it okay when there's a challenge to stop going to church. Right. And, uh, and see their parents not going to church. And make well, it, it creates a habit, and right? And make it validated that streaming is just fine. Well, yeah. As it can, now, once in a while, streaming's great. In addition to church, streaming more spiritual things is fantastic. Um, but it doesn't replace the human to human. And if we're creating a pattern... There's no replacement for For that. our kids of just streaming... What is that going to do? I mean, guys, let's just talk about streaming for just a second. Kids everywhere are streaming their education, and they're hating it. They are hating it. Do you want your kids to hate church? I mean, I'm just saying what could happen. I'm not saying it will. I'm saying it could happen. They need connection. They need to worship. They need to pray. They need to be a part of the body. They need to take communion. We took, I mean, taking communion is such a gift. Yeah. And I... There's so many things I could go off on regarding this, but we have to we have to look to God's word too. Proverbs 18:1 says, "A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against all wise judgment." Slowly, 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 a lack of accountability leads to worldliness, selfishness. Selfishness. Yes, we have the spirit of God, but God uses people to do his will in our lives mm-hmm. too. That's right. And again, I just want to share from Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine through 12. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? 
Although one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, right? And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You guys, this is one of the things that we see happening is isolation, people not being able to get together. Let's talk about the Thanksgiving for just a second. People are not able to gather together, right? Which we'll get into more. But if you're not ever able to gather together, then what what slowly happens to your support system, mm-hmm. which is what Ecclesiastes is talking about. He's saying if a threefold cord cannot be easily broken, right? If something bad was to happen, let's say, and two people are standing together against one, who do you think is most likely to come out the the victor? The two, mm-hmm. right? That's what the Bible is literally saying here. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. So, but but isolation breaks those bonds. So let's talk about the reality here where you are at. What if uh, churches aren't meeting and things like that? Well, mm-hmm. um, you should get together with a group of people. You should read the Bible. You have the same Bible your pastor does. And if your pastor is not meeting then you need to go to a church that is meeting. And if you end up permanently there, that's fine. It's actually biblical. If a pastor isn't going to stand up and go, my flock needs to meet. And if they're not willing even to defy the government, we are to submit to government to the point that it doesn't interfere with our obedience with obedience to God. And God says, don't forsake the meeting. Okay, so there comes a point, there's a period of time where, yeah, you obey that, you see what's going on, you get more wisdom. Mm -hmm. But then there comes a point where you're like, okay, this is definitely interfering with what God is telling me to do. And the repercussions way down the road for the kids is horrific. You guys, we have to ask the harder questions that are actually more about, okay, so for these pastors, I just want to ask some really hard questions, which is... Have we put pastors in a position, have they actually created themselves a position of codependency where their congregation is not able to actually function Christian, like walking as Christians, Mm. studying the word? Have they not been equipped to where they're codependent upon the pastor and him alone to where they have to meet collectively? Mm -hmm. Because if they've done that, that's not biblical. A shepherd, a good shepherd is going to go, my people need community. They need to be activated as the body of Christ. They need to be using their gifts. They need to be experiencing accountability. They need to be experiencing Mm -hmm. fellowship. And that desire for the goodness of your community and for the flock that God's put in your care has to be far greater than you being the one on the podium. Amen. And if you have a bunch of small groups that used to meet, why not equip the leaders of the small groups or pick leaders that understand the Bible the best and let the spirit of God work in them and have them over for dinner, hospitality, and train them over the next three weeks and have a whole bunch of home churches. That's right. Why not do that? If, if, if you're just leaning on streaming you talking and you're just going to continue not meeting, just realize that is not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not what the Bible says. So yeah, continue doing that, but Mm -hmm. also let's have people meeting together or meet together and deal with it. It, it, You know what? God loves his bride, Mm -hmm. the church. And so do we believe he's going to protect you? 
Yes. And can I say too, that I just have to ask these pastors, are they making decisions based upon if they're going to keep their, their people coming to their physical church and they're thinking that it's theirs? Because the reality is if you're doing what's best for your church and you're equipping leaders and you're having them meet in, in homes and smaller groups so that they're like able to actually obey, right. Yeah. The law, but they're meeting together. They're having fellowship. They're exercising, um, their gifts within the body right? They're edifying one another. They're studying the word. If they are supposed to come back to the church, if things change and go back to the way that they were, I'm saying if there is a loyalty there that you shouldn't have to worry about if you've been a good shepherd. Right. And, and they were never yours. They were, it should have always been about the ministry with God. So don't fear losing anything. Fear for the spiritual condition of your flock weighs so much more mm-hmm. that you're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that spiritual condition is growing versus receding, to make yes. sure the needs of people are being taken care of being, versus being forgotten. It's so important. So this is the other thing I want to bring up that we haven't really talked a lot about, but has been huge on my heart. I think I mentioned it in one other podcast before, but I just want to bring this to your attention to be praying, to be praying specifically for the tightest two men and women. I get that the older that you get, sometimes you have a yeah. more compromised immune system. So Some I want to be sensitive should, here. Should stay right. Away for a while. right. Yeah. I get that. I get that. I want to be sensitive to that. But can I also just call out the white elephant here, which is that the devil is so strategic that he has now wiped out a massive population of Titus two men and women with this thing called COVID, with the fear that's Mm -hmm. associated with COVID. Yeah. And the reality is that's not from God. It's not from God. And if we truly believe that God is the one that is in control of when we go, we're going to, we're going to walk in that kind of faith and hope and trust. But also you guys, this is the thing, you know, meeting in smaller groups is actually going to be safer for the Titus twos actually than meeting in huge groups. Now, if there are Titus twos that are willing to go and do that, I want to applaud. I will be the first one standing up, jumping, hooting and hollering and going, praise God that you're here because we need your wisdom. Yeah. But look at how the enemy just wiped out all that wisdom. Yeah. Crazy. And so another situation for pastors, by the way, we love pastors. It is the hardest leadership job that exists um, in the world, maybe except the president of the United States or something like that. But it is a very, very difficult job because most people are volunteers and you're leading a group of volunteers and it has to do with the spiritual condition and the spiritual world is so different than the real world. In fact, Mm -hmm. the gap is larger than ever of how different they are. So, um, so it's very, very difficult and it's very challenging right now. And there's probably, if any pastors are listening or people that go to, to churches, there's, People that believe in masks, people that don't believe in masks, there's conflict that happens because of mm-hmm, these things. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to realize maybe we have, uh, we need to draw a line in the sand and go, you know what? We're meeting. Mm-hmm. And if that causes you to lose some people, then it's better that people are meeting mm-hmm. and some people are going to go somewhere else. It's and that's assisting, okay. actually. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. And they can come back when it's, you know, perceived to be safer or whatever the case may be. And the people that want to meet can meet. And, but, and if you're streaming that those people that really feel unsafe can't, they got to deal with it on their, they've got to deal with that. Yeah. We all have to challenge one another to deal with these. You guys, a lot of the things that we're bringing up, these are hard things and I get that, but they're all stemming from our first two questions. 
are you asking these hard questions? Are, are the people in your lives asking these hard questions? And how are the consequences of how we're reacting going to impact our kids? Think about that. No Titus two people in the church when your kids are growing up. Yeah. That's a huge, big deal. The yeah. disobedience of Titus chapter two for all those old people, that is a big deal. What about kids not going to church on a regular basis? There's an element of, now we never want to go to church out of legalism, mm -hmm. but we all are aware of habits. Mm -hmm. So what kind of habits are being created if you only stream every single week? Maybe you're sitting in your PJs, you're eating breakfast while you're, you're sleeping in, you're doing all these things that are maybe of more of the flesh that feel good, right? And then when church is back running full force again, you're tempted to not go and just watch the stream because that's what you've created as a habit. I would say the bigger value of going to church is the human to human connection than the message. Okay. I'm going to challenge this real quick. A bigger value a lot of times, and that's being tested right now, right? The message is very important. Teaching, training, very, very important. Don't get me wrong. But if it becomes just a game of streaming, your right. your your message it's is going to fall quiet to the the best pastor in the world, the best the, pastors, the best entertainer, the best entertainers, camera. or yeah. the most eloquent speakers. Which mm -hmm. Paul said he wasn't an eloquent speaker. It wasn't about that. Mm -mm. But it's because there's a difference in your message in person that's unique and powerful because you're in person that's that happens, mm -hmm. and the spirit being part of that right there. It's about relationship. That human connection is relationship, knowing your pastor. But if it's just about streaming, people are going to shift to whatever the most eloquent speaker is. Which is one, I think that a lot of people are starting to realize that like mega churches were not the way anyway, actually, yeah. because you can't possibly have personal connection with every single person in your church when you have 6,000 people. And what is necessary today is personal connection. And I want to it's, clarify what I said. I think it's your message with the humanity, with mm -hmm. the personal connection is what matters. Mm -hmm. And uh, because teaching is very important. Mm -hmm. But if it's just streamed, then people just decide who they want to listen mm -hmm. to now. Now, let's just bring up the main reason why we even go to church in the first place. is to worship God. Amen. It's to honor him. It has nothing to do with us. It actually has nothing to do with whether we have personal connection or not, actually, um, on a human to human level in that regard. It's about God. And so if it's about, if you really love him and you want to be in his presence, you want to worship him, you want to take time in your daily week to learn about him, to be with other believers, because you know that that brings him joy and delight. Amen then why, why wouldn't you go? Right. It, it, are you sad? Are you bringing delight to the Lord? Not going. And what are your kids watching? What are they going to do in the future? It's not like things are going to get easier. We want to meet together as the day is approaching. So important. And the final point of part one uh, is community. The importance of community. Yeah. So we felt it's so important to talk about that because right now, at least in the States, probably worldwide Thanksgiving, uh, I guess that's, you know, more in the States, but people have different Thanksgivings and different dates around the world, but our Thanksgiving is coming up and it's getting uh, hit a little bit by some 
It's almost canceled. I'm just going to say it. It's almost, in my mind, it's almost canceled. Um, When state legislators start saying only two families can meet together, which is happening in some states. We are 100% encouraging you to have the biggest Thanksgiving you can possibly have. Mm-hmm. Um, we are encouraging you <laughs> to have pe- the needy over. People open who your homes. Open your homes to people who need a warm warm meal and to f- be loved and to hear the good news and hear what we're thankful for. And That's to, right. To, hear to some really worship and, God and, and to, to be God. thankful. Have family together mm-hmm. and um, aunts and uncles, you know, with your kids. Don't let the enemy isolate you on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Let's, because let's, that's what he wants. Yeah, I hope that you have to go buy more chairs uh, from Costco. Because, we will. Uh, <laughs> I was just looking <laughs> online for chairs. <laughs> because you have people in your home. Yes. That's so important. Community is so important. So if if we start hurting the holidays, if we start not letting even the holidays happen where families get together, I mean, this is a What's big gonna, deal. What I mean, is starting of, to happen to your kids? That's a lot of times where your kids actually get to see the extended family. Right. Or friends or where there's a real... In, okay. And it shouldn't be this way. I'm just going to preface what I'm about to say with it shouldn't be this way. But a lot of people don't really hear about God very often, except for if they're at someone's house, either a friend or a family member for Thanksgiving, and that person is a believer and they are praying, worshiping God and being thankful to him. A lot of times those kids of the parents, those nieces and nephews, sometimes that's the only time in the entire year that they hear a prayer to the God almighty. Yeah. And that might be canceled. That might not happen. Right? Like we need to realize this is a really big deal, evangelism wise, yeah. but also for our kids. This is a, this is, at what point do we stop and go, this is getting out of control? This is insanity. It's out of control. The, con- the kind of control is out of control. Yeah. And we need to teach our kids how to respond. We are not going to stop hosting. We're not going to stop hospitality from happening. We as believers should understand that God's word has a whole lot to say about hospitality and what a blessing it is. I hope we see pictures on social media of Thanksgiving with a couple families together, big turkeys. And uh, someone was laughing about a meme they saw of, oh, 20 pound turkey. We got to go investigate them. They're going to have more than two families at their house. Oh my so, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, so, I mean, if you're thinking about buying a turkey at, at one store and a different turkey at another store, think twice. Just to be under the radar? Just to be under the radar. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, though. I don't Strategic know. Strategic turkey buying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys, community is just so important. And we have to realize that the enemy doesn't want us in each other's lives and he will stop at nothing to isolate us. And so we have to be at war against that attempt to isolate us. And if there's somebody immune compromised, yeah, maybe there is some mask wearing to involve them. 
maybe you you have to be discerning you have to understand the uniqueness of your situations and those kinds of things which is really important but uh, let's not be fearful and let's have full homes and uh, let's go to other people's homes and that kind of thing and let's end with ephesians chapter 5 verse 15, 15 through 21 so see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the lord is and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Read that scripture um, leading at Thanksgiving. Read other scriptures. I love Thanksgiving because I get a craft, a few scriptures I put together, share about what Thanksgiving means and all these things. It's such an important time. I love Thanksgiving. I love going around and talking about what we're thankful for. I love the impression on the kids. I love the games and hanging out, eating too much. Let's not <laughs> let that go. Let's do it. Let's do it well. And let's love people while we're being courageous and standing for truth and rejecting passivity in these crazy times. And in the next episode, we're talking about point four, five, six, seven, and eight. Of really the issues of that the are going to impact your kids. That could hurt who your kids become. Remember, what happens now impacts the future. Let's be thinking critically about this. A couple mm -hmm. episodes back, we talked about critical thinking. Mm -hmm. It is so important that we are not just the slowly cooked frog, that we actually think. Mm -hmm. And we actually think about what conforming is doing to hurting the future uh, of our kids and who they become. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. For more resources, go to Courageous Parenting and CourageousMom.com for free online workshops, blog posts, and best-selling courses. Also, we wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, we release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. This is an incredible self-paced program where we cover everything from obedience training to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's a supportive community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentor program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.